If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve. My little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner, keeps giving me street cred with the uh, wacko alternative medicine people. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the Internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at drscottwm. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. And very good. So don't forget to check out stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com for all your online shopping needs. We've got everything we've ever talked about on this show that you can buy. Plus, you can just click through and go to Amazon. It it really, really helps. So check out stuff.drsteve.com. And uh, check out noom.drsteve.com. I'm going to be promoting this for another month or so. Uh, N-O-O-M dot drsteve.com. You can get uh, two weeks free, 20% off uh, the best uh, weight loss, in my opinion, app on the market. It's not a it's not a diet. It's a psychology app. Give it a try. You can try it for no risk. If you don't like it, just delete it and to hell with it. And uh, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Simply herbals.net wow i got a email from this guy and I, i'll just say his I, I don't even remember his name now his initials are mc and of all the shit that i've said on this show over 15 years he said i heard you say you were a libertarian and then just went off on me hmm. what why do you use roads why do you you know it's like okay i'm not one of those libertarians and those are that's an anarchist anyway but he <laughs> cursed me up one side and down the other oh, God. and said he was never going to listen again all this stuff it's like okay <sighs> you know um yeah you heard all this shit and you heard that one thing, and that's what triggered you. So I just thought it was kind of funny. I mean, so listen, odd. listen. I'm I'm not that kind of libertarian. I'm I'm socially liberal, and I'm conservative when it comes to how big I think how much money the government should be spending. So 
what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I you know vote for one side, well, then they're you know, and the, you know, I'm going to hold my nose, and if I vote for the other side, I'm going to be holding my nose on different things. Yep. So you just got to pick and choose, and you know, I have voted for regular candidates in the past. Sure. You know. So yeah. anyway, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just stop on, it. That's, that's, it was just something I said in passing. Yeah. Good lord, yeah. people get worked up over things that really don't need to be getting. And I'm a, a free. So my main issue is free speech, and why would anybody be against that? Mm-hmm. Unless you're a totalitarian and you want to shut people up because you don't like what what their views are. Yep, and that I have a problem with. Yeah, it's no good either. Yeah. Controlling someone is no good. No, it's very naughty. Naughty. All right. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And, uh, you know, as if 2021 couldn't be bad enough, we lost our friend Fez Watley this year. And uh, then I had COVID. And then everybody, you know, lots of other people have COVID. And, you know, it's just been a crappy year. It's, It's incrementally better than 2020. But still crappy. And then Norm died. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe. And apparently he had had cancer. Kevin Brennan asked me, you know, what hell cancer can last nine years? And it it can happen. I mean, uh, colon cancer is one of those Mm -hmm. that, uh, you you know, they could catch it when it's in the polyp stage and then it recurs. And then you have a resection maybe. And do a little chemo, and then it comes back again, and then you know, three, maybe down the road, it turns into uh, metastatic, you know, mm-hmm. which we call stage four cancer, and then that's the stage that we can't cure anymore. We can treat it, but we can't cure it, and you can knock it down for a while. And some people live for a long time. My ex father in law lived for yeah nine ten years, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And uh, so I, it was probably something like that. Prostate, colon, something like that. Yeah, prostate cancer is another one. Can linger for years. Now, he's pretty young. He was 61, mm-hmm. so that would have meant that he was 52 when he was diagnosed. Now, if he had had metastatic prostate cancer at that age, you know, the younger you are, oh, it's, more aggressive. It's, yeah, it's very aggressive. I mean, just look at Frank Zappa. So, yep. um, so that's going to be my guess. But then there are other, there are, you know, weird little lymphomas and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're really good at treating. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time maybe it comes back and you're not in remission anymore. You can be in remission for years mm-hmm. and then it comes back. And then now this time maybe they can't, they can't knock it back. So we, I don't know if we'll ever know. I do know that Norm had a very interesting perspective on uh, chronic illness, and I just wanted to play this. I guess it's okay if I play it, but Mm -hmm. anyway. But that's all that'll get you, a heart attack or a cancer. That's the other thing, you know. My Uncle Bert, he's my great uncle, but we call him Uncle Bert. He got bowel cancer now. He's, uh, He's dying of it, you know. And, uh, or like uh, some people like to say, now they, see, in the old days, a man could just get sick and die, you know? Now, they have to wage a battle. <laughs> so, so my Uncle Bert is waging a, a courageous battle. <laughs> which I've seen, because I go and visit him, and this is the battle. He's lying in a hospital bed. <laughs> With a thing in his arm watching Matlock on the TV. 
instead of that battle, I, I got him the box set of Matlock. And... But it's not his fault. What the fuck's he supposed to do? Oh, I got you. It's just a black thing in his bowel. And the reason I don't like it is because in the old days, they go, hey, that old man died. Now they go, hey, he, he lost his battle. That's no way to end your life, you know? What a loser that guy was. Last thing he did was lose. He was waging a brave battle, but at the end, I guess he got kind of cowardly was what happened. And then the bowel cancer, it got brave. You gotta give it to the bowel cancer. You know, they were in a battle, and then, what the fuck? And I'm pretty sure, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure if the cancer dies, I mean, if you die, the cancer also dies at exactly the same time. So that, to me, is not a loss. That's a draw. That's a, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like fucking the cancer's going to jump up and go, ah, I'm fucking Uncle Bert's wife. Where is he? <laughs> I won fair and square. <laughs> All right. Good man. Good man. So... Uh, Norm will be greatly missed. He was a comics comic, but he was also a fan's comic. Uh, never once saw him where he wasn't funny, except during the time when they were trying to cancel him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he went on a kind of a an apology tour, and it was just, you know, he was, um, uh, I think, blown away by that because he just didn't expect it. But other than that, I never saw him not be funny. Hmm. So, and... You know, his thing about O.J., when O.J. got acquitted and he was on Saturday Night Live and he said, here, news update, murder is now legal in California. <laughs> That's one of the funniest things I ever saw anybody say. Hey, you know, I also, that same that same time, he said, he said that, um, he said, yeah, they can acquit, um, acquit O.J. when they, by, um, by uh, ruling him out after taking his blood samples from the crime scene. As far as being a, an accomplished to the murder, it was pretty funny. It was you'd have to have Norm Macdonald say it. Yeah, apparently. me doing it is not funny. Uh, apparently, no, no. That <laughs> uh, was terrible. But when he said it was funny, all right. Hey, um, somebody named a damn horse after me. I think. Of course, there's lots of other Dr. Steves in the world, but I would love to know if this guy, I'm sure it's not me, but anyway, I want to play this for you. And they're off in the Mark McDermott stakes. Jumping out, you must be a Weasley. Gets a jump on the field, but quickly up the rail. Justice has been done. And center mid, Maddie moved through to take first and second. Into third, the favorite, Dr. Steve. Outside Yay. fourth is you must the be favorite. a Weasley after that good start. Then up the rail, champion by design. Nice weather is there. And at the back of the pack are going to be JoJo Hans up on the outside. Stormy Bonnie and backdoor party. It's cool, still justice party. has been done. Antonio Giardi with that lead on the outside back door party back door party come on, oh, that, yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm starting to kind of question this <laughs> no it's real it's real on the outside I watched Dr. The race. Steve oh, okay. in between horses center 
mid Maddie. Those two coming after the leader. Right behind them is You Must Be a Weasley with a drive. Then towards the inside, champion by design and nice weather circling up on the far outside. That is going to be Jojo Hans. Short lead for center mid Maddie. But on the outside, Dr. Steve is right there. East two as they head for home. Down the center comes champion by design, putting in a late bid. And also on the outside, You Must Be a Weasley. It's Dr. Steve. Center mid Maddie to the inside. And meanwhile, champion by design is looking to roll right by the top pair. These three as they head to the wire, champion by design. Scott Spieth gets the stakes win tonight. In second is Dr. Steve. Back in third was center mid Maddie and long shot 41 to 1. You must be a Weasley in fourth. Unofficial winning time, 110 flat. There you go. There you go. Second place. It's not too yeah, bad. No, yeah. If you bet show. I mean, if you bet place, you would have won something. How funny. Unfortunately, the guy that turned me on to that said, oh, I got to bet this one to win. And, of course, I disappointed him, as I want to do. But anyway. Well, there you go. And then I found this. Uh, somebody uh, sent this to me, and this is a real blast from the past, back when Liam used to come up here and do promos. And he, he was so young that Ron and Fez thought he was a little girl. But listen to this. Uh, you know, we we talk from time to time about uh, abusing uh, kids, Fezzy. And you said that you were abused as a kid. Oh, I think I was definitely abused as a kid. Mentally and, you know, the way I got uh, hit by my mother. I see this as abuse. The way Dr. Steve taught that kid of his to talk. Have you listened? <laughs> my daddy. My daddy is going to be all right. Listen, let's take a, 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 a listen again. The way Dr. Steve has taught this young uh, lady to uh, speak. Oh, shit. Dr. Steve. It's Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Listen to my daddy, Dr. Steve, as he answers questions about your testicles, awful diseases, and cystic. This Saturday night, listen to my daddy, Dr. Steve. They're going to come. Child services is going to come and take that kid away from me. <laughs> you can't have a child speak that way in the year 2008. Sounds like she's working towards being a beauty contestant. My, this Saturday, my daddy, Dr. Steve, is going to be on radio. <laughs> It's 2008. Where's that kid going to work? Every kid down here sounds like that. Exactly like You that. can't get a job if you talk that way. <laughs> Maybe if they redo Designing Women. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah, they, th <clears throat> they thought Liam was a little girl, but... How funny. Anyway, that's hilarious. All right. Well, you got anything? You know, I just I just saw this, this um, little blurb, and I thought you would love it. Um, so this is about alternate ways to get oxygen to your system. Okay. And it's called uh, butt breathing. Butt breathing. Yeah, evidently there's a research company that is, is that says that there are some mammals that and some sea creatures that actually breathe through the butt and they're 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 starting to run some clinical trials yeah, on but we don't. Well they're they're they they hypothesize that if you can you can do instead in, in, in lieu of using a ventilator on some of these Get these, the hell they, they're gonna plug their <laughs> plug stick a tube of their ass what? And, and shoot oxygen in there. Yep. Okay. It's a Wait real a deal. It's a real thing. And Absorption I, yep. of oxygen through the colon. Yeah, well, they're talking about run, uh, running on, an oxygenated liquid into the colon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then okay. maybe that, that would um, help to perfuse the, the bloodstream. Now, they used to have, uh, I mean, I know they still have it. There was a like a fluorocarbon 
fluid that um, they could use in those pressure suits mm -hmm. uh, for deep divers, mm -hmm. and you're actually breathing a fluid. Yep. And it is hyperoxygenated, and you can you can submerge mammals in it, including humans, from what I understand. And you can breathe this liquid. Oh my God, that makes me have a panic attack. I know, but it. apparently it's it's something you can do. Okay, so here we go. Mammals can breathe through their intestines. Yep, some of them, not all of them. On a good day, things. <laughs> a good day. Are you looking at the? At, okay, on a good day, things exit through the anus. <laughs> but in rodents and pigs in respiratory distress, oxygen can be absorbed by tissues in the rectum. Well, sure, because well, there's capillaries there. Well, sure. So anywhere that there's capillaries, you can absorb oxygen. Even the middle ear. That's is why some kids end up with fluid in their middle ear. Well, how in the hell does that happen? Well. Every air-filled cavity in the middle ear is one of those has a conduit to the outside world to um, uh, to stabilize pressure or to equalize pressure. And in the uh, you, the case of the eustachian tube, if it blocks off, what will happen is, and that's uh, you know, when you yawn or you pop your ears, air is. Uh, going either up or out of that eustachian tube mm -hmm. to uh, decrease the pressure or increase the pressure in your middle ear according to the outside pressure. Well, anyway, if that thing gets uh, blocked off because you've got allergies or something, uh, then what happens is the capillaries inside the middle ear will start to draw off molecules of oxygen. So it's like a little tiny vacuum pump, and it's very slow but inexorable. Mm -hmm. And when you get the, uh, because the eustachian tube is closed off and you're drawing off those molecules, you're going to get a negative pressure in there. Mm -hmm. And if the pressure gets negative enough, then that negative pressure is going to start to draw fluid out of those capillaries. And now your middle ear fills up with fluid. Mm -hmm. Then one sniff, get a couple of bacteria in there, and now you've got an ear infection. Oh, well, yeah. That's how that happens. So, uh, yeah, because there's capillaries in the rectum and in the, uh, in the colon, uh, it makes sense that it could absorb a certain amount of, of air. But, you know, how much? So let's mm -hmm. see. Um, sci uh, let me see. It looks like a crazy idea. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, but, if you, but if you look at the data, it's a compelling story. Most mammals breathe through their mouths and noses and send oxygen to their body via the lungs. And the reason the lungs work is that they've got a huge surface area in there um, because it just keeps branching and branching and branching into the, until you get to the terminal alveoli. And the surface area inside the lungs is is like miles, apparently. Mm -hmm. Look that one up. Yeah, What's sure. it? Surface area of the alveoli sure. of the lung. Sure. And um, let me see. A few aquatic animals, including sea cucumbers and catfish, breathe through their intestines. And the intestinal tissues of humans can readily absorb pharmaceuticals. Well, we know that because we've warned people about um, uh, champagne enemas and stuff like that because the bowel so readily will uh, absorb uh, ethyl alcohol. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, and, and and you know we can get medicines rectally too. Well, of course, yeah, which yeah, which, yeah. Which, which which are very highly absorbable, and you have to give lower doses because they're so. It's, you get, yeah, this you get, is true. Yeah. Um, you know, Fenugan suppositories, real common. I mean, any 
we we use we give opioids uh, rectally if the patient is vomiting and they're in a, you know don't have access to IV medication. So so anyway, these people uh, tested several approaches to ventilating the intestines of mice and pigs that were deprived of oxygen. In one group of eleven mice, four had their intestines scrubbed to thin the mucosal lining. They, okay, we're not doing that and improve oxygen absorption. So basically what they did was uh, increase uh, inflammation in there so that they had more blood at the surface of the bowel. Uh, and then the researchers injected pure pressurized oxygen into the rectums of the scrubbed mice and four of the seven unscrubbed ones. Then they withdrew oxygen from the animals, making them hypoxic. The three unscrubbed mice that received no intestinal oxygen survived for 11 minutes. These poor mice. Yeah, no. And the mice with unscrubbed intestines that received oxygen through their anuses lasted 18 minutes, almost twice as long. Only the ventilated mice with brushed intestines lived through the hour-long experiment with a survival rate of 75%. Wow. Mm. Isn't that well? Wow. Cool, huh? So you got to go in there and scrub, scrub your intestine, though. That'd be a little tough. Okay, so then they wanted to ditch the dangerous process of intestinal scrubbing because, yeah, that's not going to fly. No. And you, your colon's full of turds, too, so, what you know, they're not going to be able to go in there and scrub it. So then they replaced the pressurized oxygen with fluids known as, here we go, perfluocarbons. I'm going to give there myself give one of these. There you go, Dr. Steve. Yep, which can carry large amounts of oxygen are often used as a substitute for blood during surgery because they're highly dense. Perfluorocarbons can also help flush mucus out of the intestine. The researchers injected oxygen-risk perfluorocarbons into the anuses of three hypoxic mice and seven hypoxic pigs. As control, they flushed saline solution into the intestines of two hypoxic mice and five hypoxic pigs. So here, we're going to withdraw you from oxygen, and we're just going to put give you an enema before you die. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, whereas blood oxygen levels in the control group plummeted, oxygen levels in the ventilated mice steadied to normal levels. Okay, you know what? I'm actually kind of excited about this because one of the problems that we have, say, with COVID-19 is putting people on ventilators. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a shortage not only of ventilators to a certain degree. I mean, we've really right now we're, we're in pretty good shape on the ventilators, but we don't have a lot of staff. But to just shove a rectal tube up somebody's ass and put perfluorocarbons up there, and if that would ventilate, you know, uh, give them enough oxygen so that they wouldn't need to be on the ventilator, and we wouldn't need to be putting these huge pressures mm -hmm. on their lungs and the cuff, you know, that, that tube that they shoved down your throat's got a balloon on the end of it, and they got to blow it up to get a good seal. And uh, you can only have that for 10 to 14 days before it starts to erode the the mucous membrane of the trachea. Mm -hmm. Sure. So this would be awesome. Be a game changer, huh? Cool. Yeah, I was just looking. Uh, approximately 700 million alveoli and a lungs covering total surface area of about 70 meters squared. That's all? I would have thought it had been more than that. Yeah. Uh, that's still, that's still, still huge. That's still huge if you think 70 about it. meters square meters. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. I was going to look up the um, surface area of the colon just out of curiosity. Um, yeah, it's not nearly as high. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. That's um, a good one. Cool, cool. Shouldn't cool. be long-lasting effects from enteral ventilation. <laughs> wow. 
just yell. You know, and of course, it's a bunch of gastroenterologists doing because they want to go. Hey, look, we invented this. Mm-hmm. Hey, two square meters for the colon. Yeah, now, that's not quite enough. Yeah. Well, I but, mean, it's not, it's not near the neighborhood of the lungs. But obviously. right, right, right. But you're you're not taking into account the surface area of the villi in the colon. Mm-hmm. I guess there's villi. Shit, I don't, there may not be villi in the colon. Now I can't remember. I think so. Yeah. Well, anyway, but there there is there's more to it than just the surface itself. Sure. But uh, yeah, if it can readily absorb oxygen from these um, uh, perfluorocarbons, you know that might not matter. Because the reason the lung needs the large surface area is because it's trying to do a a uh, you know a gas exchange. We have o- more oxygen on the outside than you do on the inside, and so it tends to drive the oxygen into the blood. But the difference between what you inhale and exhale isn't that much, but it's enough to keep you going. So, kind of cool. Yeah, cool stuff. Let's All hope, right, that let's was a good one. Something make some forward motion on that. Yeah, I'd, I'm, I'm be very interested in that. Number one thing: don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right, let's see here. Hey, Dr. Steve, it's your pal Jim from Massachusetts. Hey, Jim. Hey, just first of all, very sorry to hear that you got COVID, but very happy to hear that your recovery was quick. Yeah, thanks, man. Hopefully there's no lingering effects. Well, there already are, but it's... it's And I also want to thank you for... Okay, I I definitely want to hear this next part. This should be good. um, This should be good. There, there are lingering effects. Uh, I've got a nagging cough I can't get rid of, and apparently that lasts about eight weeks. And if you have that, and I'm talking to a bunch of people out there that have had COVID that uh, may still have that lingering cough, I did some research, and a medication called gabapentin is uh, very effective for it, and I will have to attest to that. And uh, it's something that they can throw at it if the benzonitates, you know, Tesselon and uh, Mucinex DM and all that stuff, either you can't take them or they didn't work for you. And um, it's what basically gabapentin stabilizes nerve endings. It was initially developed as an anti-seizure medication, Mm -hmm. but uh, it calms down the signals from the uh, vagus nerve, which is what's probably causing the this cough there's uh, some un unresolved inflammation hmm. and uh it's it, so the uh, gabapentin's really helped well i've never heard of that yeah 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 that's so, cool so anyway yeah so i i was already taking gabapentin for my crappy back and that's helped that a bunch and so i had some and instead of just taking one at bedtime i took one in the morning as well and uh, yeah, I haven't really had a coughing jag today. Knock on wood. So, but anyway, all right. Can to continue. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And I also want to thank you for, in my opinion, for finally at the end of your last episode, stating emphatically, clearly, get the vaccine. 
Yeah, no shit. <laughs> we've, we've been saying that forever. I know what he's referring to probably is the um, uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named episode where I was accused of, uh, you know, uh, allowing him to go on and on about that and de facto promoting his approach, even though I thought I was pretty clear that I didn't approve of what he did. But my thing wasn't, you should do this and fake your your vaccine card. What what I wanted to expose is that if you're going to use vaccine cards as entries to uh, concerts and other Festival, things like that, shows, yeah, anything. that it's not going to keep you safe. No. Because there's... He isn't the only one doing no, this. No, hell no. That was my point, is yep. how easy it was. Yep. Anyway, but of course nobody got it. But a few, you know, I don't want to say nobody. Well, but I think most clear. people got it, but there were some people that didn't get what I was going for, and I guess I wasn't clear enough about it. But anyway. It's the only way this United States is going to get out of the mess that we're in with people overloaded with hospitals. And I know the numbers now are starting to decline, and that's great. Unless we get another variant, which and we the will. The answer is get the vaccine. I, yeah, I don't disagree with that um, at all. Obviously, the vaccine and the monoclonal antibodies together, um, uh, you know, prevented me from going to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm 66. I have hypertension. I am at risk. Now, can I go back in time and not take it and then watch myself on the ventilator? No. I mean, it didn't work that way. No. But uh, I felt a lot more protected. Now, the monoclonal antibody helped me get over it a whole hell of a lot quicker. But uh, just as that year that I got influenza and I had a temp of 105, uh, I had had the vaccine that year. And even though it wasn't very effective, it still kept me out of the hospital. So. But anyway, yeah. Uh, now, I don't agree that vaccines the only thing that's going to get us out of this, though. Mm -hmm. I've said from day one, literally from day one, that uh, vaccines are a huge part of this. And, yes, the people that we're seeing in the hospital right now are the unvaccinated. So if all those people had vaccines... They, you know, presumably we would just have the weird outliers in the hospital yeah. right I mean, now. And most of them, and, and, and at least there wouldn't be as many in there. Right. Yeah. That's right. But therapeutics are the way to go, and they spent so much time and so much money getting these vaccines out, which I agree with. Mm -hmm. But apparently we can't chew gum and walk at the same time because, <laughs> because uh, what we didn't concentrate on, in my opinion, as much as we could have, are, is a pill that you can take at the beginning of this thing that will uh, cause you to not progress to serious disease, not go to the hospital, not be on the vet, and not die. And I know people are like, well, uh, you, know, you know, there's research going on. Okay, but we, uh, almost all the research in the beginning was on people who were deathly ill in the hospital. And mm -hmm. it's like, wait a minute. You should be doing these studies on these people before they get too sick mm -hmm. to keep them out of the hospital. Yeah. Almost every therapeutic, remdesivir, the dexamethasone trials, even the 
hydroxychloroquine early trials and all that stuff were all done on people who were sick in the hospital. Yeah, really, really sick. And so what happened to favipiravir? I still don't know. I predicted that was going to that was the one prediction I made that didn't really come to fruition and uh, not sure what in the hell happened to it. Was it poorly efficacious or was it it just dropped? And because there wasn't money in it. And now, you know, Pfizer's got a pill that they're in phase two slash three trials with. We're two years into this. We're just now doing a phase two slash three trial. And then Molnupiravir is in a phase three trial. Um, you know, let's move things along here, guys, mm-hmm. because the, the, the day, and I, people are getting sick of hearing me say it, but I, it's too important to not keep saying it. The day that we have a pill that you can take or or a liquid, whatever, Mm. you know, but something that you can take where you you get diagnosed with COVID-19, they hand you a prescription, you know, someone goes and picks it up for you. Mm -hmm. You take the prescription, you isolate for seven to 10 days, and it's effective enough. It's got to be effective enough to keep the vast majority of people from progressing to severe illness Mm. and make them better quicker. Mm And it, let's just say it's 90% effective. Um, at that point, really, this thing is over. If it's more than that, it's dead over. Mm-hmm. We're done. It's yep. We can go back to normal the next day. Yeah. Whereas with the vaccines, we got to hit them, you know, this, these benchmark numbers, you know, to get herd immunity. First, it was 56% with the, with the alpha variant. And then with this delta variant, now we're up to 80, 90% before we can hit herd immunity. And there's still a lot of resistance to it and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, taking a, a therapeutic. So the one therapeutic we have right now that keeps people out of the hospital is the monoclonal antibody, which is right. what I had. Right. Freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Greatest thing in the world. The problem is it's only for people at high risk. And there are some parts of the country where it isn't the easiest thing to get, so people are getting delayed mm. in getting their treatment. And by the time they go in late, to get yeah. their treatment, they're, they're too sick to get it. And uh, treating people early is the key mm. on this. I really think they should just cast away the infusion and just go to the subcutaneous injections because you can do that literally takes a minute and you could line people up and boom 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 Mm. whereas if you're you know you got to put in an iv and then they got to stay there for an hour and then they got to have their infusion then they got to stay there another hour takes up too much time Mm -hmm. so you know if you have a problem with capacity do it with the subcutaneous method. But anyway, that's the one therapeutic we have that we can hit people early and keep them out of the hospital. But it's an infusion. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, and I'm just sitting here thinking and listening to you, you talk about that. And, and what happens if we get a therapeutic that's an injectable only and not, you know. Well, that's what we have now. But, you know, but that seems to be the issue with the, the vaccine. You know, it's an injectable. What if, what if we changed it? There doesn't seem to be the resistance to the monoclonals like there was to the vaccine. Yeah, no, it, it almost makes you want to say, let's quit calling it a, a COVID vaccine and call it a COVID treatment. <laughs> you know, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, just to, just to a change the dialogue. Yeah, just change the dialogue. Ooh, prophylactic. prophylactic. I like him. I like him. No, um, I uh, uh, look. There's. You know, politics plus medicine equals politics or too much politics in all of this. But I do um, uh, I really 
feel like this is the answer. So we have an injectable therapeutic right now that works, mm-hmm. keeps people out of the hospital. You know, not 100%, mm-hmm. but it would, if everybody who got COVID got this, it would reduce hospitalizations. But the supply is such that they're really only giving it to people with a body mass index greater than 35. I've seen 25 in some places, mm-hmm. but you know, hell, that's that's somebody my size. Yeah, so much. Um, and then uh, diabetics, people with immunosuppressive disorders, people over 65. That's how I got it. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, cancer patients, folks mm-hmm. like that that are taking chemo and their immune system and what it should be. It's just supplemental antibodies. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should be good for 90 days with it. You know, that hangs around in your body for a long time, and then I'll get a booster shot in 90 days. But but anyway, um, yeah, the therapeutics, that's where it's at, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we got to have it. Yep. You might look up uh, progress on Molnupiravir while, we're, while I'm listening to the rest of this guy's okay. thing. It proves that even if you get COVID, you can recover yes, of much course. quicker and without hospitalization. With- yeah, this is true. And most people who get this will not go to the hospital. But uh, for particularly for those at risk, um, you know, vaccination is, uh, is a huge uh, component of that. And, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think people should get the vaccine. I do. I do. I'm not in favor of of mandating it you know um someone was posted and i can't remember who it was but uh you know are you ready to support no medical no religious exemptions it's like we don't have no medical uh exemptions for any vaccine there's no vaccine that doesn't have some medical exceptions so no i'm not okay with that and um, anyway, the more I talk, listen, the more I talk about this, you know, the the hyper pro vaccine people get mad and, you know, and then the the anti vaccine people get mad. And it just, you know, it's it's too much. The science is good behind it. We've given billions of doses now. Uh, we have the we don't have. Yes, we don't have 20 year long term data on this. We that's impossible. But it's been vetted, and um, it appears that the benefits far outweigh the risks. That's the best I can say. All right. Not a drain on our medical system. I only was disappointed when you were saying earlier, about 10 minutes before that, about how the reasons why you recovered so quickly, you named them, and they, they all made sense, and they all, of course, are true. And I'm sitting there going, but why aren't you saying the reason you recover quickly is because you got the vaccine. Okay, first off, I was, I had COVID, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wasn't exactly on my best game that show. I wanted to get a show out while I was sick so that I right. could let people know about the um, about the uh, monoclonal antibody. But no, he's right. But I'm sure that I brought vaccines up at some point. But anyway, listen, we don't see polio anymore we don't see measles anymore uh and except in areas where people aren't vaccinating their kids for measles rabies i mean come on yeah you know oh no vaccines are good things 
and uh, this is this appears to be a good vaccine. Yes, it came to market very quickly. I do not feel it was rushed to market. No, neither. Um, it's called the internet. People people work together on the internet all over the world at the same time. Well, I mean, different than mRNA technology yeah, for ten years. years yeah. They were just waiting for something to use it for. Now they were yeah. going to try it on uh, Ebola, and that just didn't work out. No. You know, so they did it for this. There's got to be a first time for everything. So, you know, I'm I'm cool with Nicki Minaj. <laughs> And she got into it with uh, these um, with Joy and <laughs> with Joy Reed, and um, you know Nikki just said, "Listen, I'm doing my own research. I'll get the damn vaccine when I'm good and ready. I'll probably get it, but I'm not going to have the Met tell me to get it because mm-hmm. you know they were talking about the Met Gala. Uh, okay, and uh, she said, you know, you were required to have a vaccine. You had to have vaccine passport." Hmm. to um to be able to go to that and she said i'm not gonna let the met tell me what to do hmm. so i thought that was uh, okay yeah make up your own mind yep. but look at it but look at it with a dispassionate eye and i think if you do you're going to end up uh, uh choosing to get the vaccine sooner rather than later but anyway hey real quick you but it's your choice at the end of yeah. Yeah, what? Well, what finish finish the story. I'll give you. No, a no, break. no, no. Yeah, the uh, you asked me to check out check out the um, let's see, Molnupiravir. Yep. Um, it looks like as of September the first, Merck is starting the um, phase three clinicals. They're in. Oh. They're actually enrolling participants who live in the same household as someone with symptomatic oh. laboratory confirmed COVID-19. Uh, okay, so they're, so they're, they're, they're looking for prevention, yeah. which is cool. And it's an oral, it's a pill. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pill. pill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, at least we're yeah, we two got years something. into it. We're Come just on, now man. starting the phase three trials Come on, on man. <laughs> Now you sound like your old buddy JB. Come on, man. Come on, man. Are, right. you, are you trying? All right, so Hopefully, though, that trial will proceed quickly mm-hmm. and we can bring this stuff to uh, market. Um, so if they're just now starting phase three trial, you're looking at they need to do about 30,000 people. That should be no problem. No problem. Getting those people yeah, set just, up. Just come to Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're sure. leading the league. <laughs> We're number one. Well, I keep hearing people. I, I saw some guy on... Uh, John Melendez's podcast yesterday saying the United States is the worst. We've done the worst for, you know, deaths per capita. And that's just a lie. Mm. It's not true. No, they just like saying shit. People just say things yeah. and it's not true. We're number, it's not great that we're number 19, but we're 19th in the world mm. for uh, deaths per capita. Don't believe me? Go to um, covid.stoutlabs.com. And then uh, sort the column on deaths per 100,000 in ascending order, and you will see, um, no, well, descending order, and you will see that the United States is number 19, and we are behind some, you know, first world countries. Mm -hmm. Good. You know. So it it isn't great being 19th out of what 100 <laughs> however many hundred countries. It's a little there still are. a little too There's high. a shitload of countries in this world but yep. um it, you know but we are no lo- in in no way the worst when it comes per death per capita. Stop it with yep. that bullshit. Just you know there there's lots of things we can talk about but just making up things 
bugs the shit out of me. Yep. And it's not like Stout Labs. I mean, he, they're taking their data not even from the WHO. It's from Johns Hopkins, so it's unassailable data. Mm-hmm. All right. Okie doke. Now, see, now I'm getting pissed off again. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. All right. Hey, Doc, it's Zach from Okie City. I hope you are well after COVID and everything. Hey, man. Yeah, um, I'm good. Got a uh, real simple question for you. What is a yawn? Why do we do it? And uh, why does it seem contagious sometimes yeah. to people? I appreciate you taking my question. Thank you. Hey, you know, Mythbusters did a thing on yawning and whether it was truly contagious. Would you look that up? Sure. And uh, it just put yawning contagious Mythbusters in there and see if, if they come up with anything. I can't remember. I remember in the beginning of their trial, because what they did is they got people in a room and then they had somebody pretend to yawn and just to see if other people yawned. And if I remember when they first started, they didn't get that effect. But then the second trial they did, they saw something. It's um, making me want to yawn and just thinking about it. The thing is, is that yawning is this reflex where you open your jaw wide, taking a deep breath, and then quickly exhale. Nobody knows why we do that. Huh. And apes do it. Um, you know, uh, it, dogs do it. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, most most critters do. There's a lot of uh, theories that it's connected with feeling tired or bored, but that's really probably not true. Um, you know, yawning might help you get oxygen to your brain. But um, here's this is from uh, WebMD. They say when you yawn, researchers think you may be communicating how you're feeling. Oh, BS, come on. <laughs> That's not it. Some researchers think that yawning is an empathetic social skill where we show that we connect with others. Or you could just talk to people. But... Um, you know, there's really no specific reason. It's a it's a reflex in your body. It does happen involuntarily, and uh, changes in elevation can do it. Uh, empathy, social empathy. If you see somebody yawn, or even read about yawning, like Dr. Scott is, you may have the ur- the urge to yawn. Mm-hmm. And psychologists say you're more likely to yawn when you see somebody else do it if you're more empathetic. Uh, you know. Uh, Studies have shown that yawning isn't a sign of feeling tired or being bored. And then that, an unproven theory is that yawning is your body's way of cooling your warm brain. That's, that seems stupid. Mm-hmm. You would pant in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't believe it. I'm not buying that. But, um, you know, when you yawn, you sometimes follow that with a larger stretch, and your body could just be flexing your muscles and stretching your joints. Nobody, nobody knows. Now... If you yawn a lot and you can't stop, that's a problem. And that can be um, a symptom of an underlying condition. You need to get it checked. You know, just like some people who have intractable hiccups. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, so the myth, myth, myth busters on episode 28. Yeah. Called it plausible. They had a test pool of 50 people. And um, out of those 50, 29% yawned when they were influenced to yawn. Oh, really? Yep. Well, that's pretty damn interesting. Well, uh, Dr. Scott had to leave, and uh, I had a conference call, and that's what that ringtone was.
That was Dave Cecil. That was my Dave Cecil ringtone, which is weird when Dave Cecil calls me and uh, it's him on my ringtone. But anyway, okie doke. Uh, let's see. So that's yawning. So, yeah, that's plausible. The answer is no one knows. You'd think after all this time we would know what the hell causes yawning, what it's for, is it contagious, and we still don't really know the answer to these questions, which is just mind-boggling to me. Of course, there's no money in it. That's the problem. All right, let's see here. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hey, Bob man. from North Carolina. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I don't know why you answer that, because it's voicemail. <laughs> hey, uh, okay. I was just wondering if the vaccine <laughs> worked so well, but how come you got the Regeneron or Regenicove or whatever it was in yep. addition to the vaccine if 99.999% of the time you don't go to the hospital? Yeah, no, good question, because uh, I was sicker than shit. Uh, so what he's asking is, since I had the vaccine and I got it anyway, then why did I turn around and get the Regeneron? So here's why. Uh, I am at risk. Uh, even, you know, listen, it's not that there's zero percent of people going to the hospital, uh, but I was at risk. I'm at risk because of my age for uh, uh, severe disease. And it doesn't mean I'm going to have it. It just means I'm at increased risk. But I felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck. And one of the reasons for that was that my vaccine was administered to me during the Pfizer trial. So I'm over a year into it. And when they checked my antibody level, I didn't have any. So we all know that the antibodies wane in, with this virus. I think they do with all coronaviruses. And I think one of the reasons for that is that we would, were exposed to so many coronaviruses during our lifetime. We would just have these huge numbers of antibodies running around all the time. So the body figured, look, this these stupid coronaviruses mostly aren't going to kill us, so we can just kind of calm down with the antibodies, but keep the cellular immunity. Well, it takes those cells, the cellular immunity, as opposed to the humoral immunity. So the humoral immunity keeps you from getting infected. The cellular immunity mostly keeps you from dying. So, yes, I had cellular immunity, but it was going to take about two, maybe three weeks before I build up a, a big load of antibodies. And when you're uh, 100 and, well, what was I going to say? When you're 66 and you have a fever of 103, uh, that's not conducive to uh, uh, a, a decent, not only night's sleep, but day. I mean, the minutes seem like hours and hours seem like weeks. So, yeah, I submitted to the um, Regeneron because I met the criteria for it. If you look at the criteria, it doesn't say uh, people who have been vaccinated are excluded from that. So that was the main reason. But now it's a great question. You're you're right. If I had not had the Regeneron, I would probably be fine. I would probably have felt way shittier, way longer. And the fact is, I'm ready to go back to work tomorrow. Would that have happened if I hadn't had it? I don't know. What I can tell you is on Tuesday, I felt like a Mack truck hit me, fever of 103, got the Regeneron. By Wednesday, I woke up at 5 in the morning with a normal temp and normal oxygen saturation. And besides 
some lingering fatigue and a cough that I can't get rid of. Uh, I'm a hundred percent. So yeah, I, I don't know. Did I take it away from somebody that maybe needed it more than me? Well, yeah, some unvaccinated person, maybe, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, but anyway, the So the bottom line is the criteria doesn't say if you've had the vaccine and you, you meet these criteria, you can't have it. So, uh, they didn't really give me a choice to be honest with you. They just said, come on up and we're going to do it. And yeah, I was so sick that I wasn't saying no to anything that I thought might help at that time. Excellent question though. You're not wrong. All right. Oh, this is, uh, you remember Derek from Texas? This is Tracy from Louisiana. Hey, Dr. Steve. Something I've often wondered about. With urine being a primary way of getting waste out of your body, one of the two main ways, why is it yellow? I mean, you would think waste and dead cells and everything else would be brown or a dark color. So why is urine yellow? Not a bad question at all, uh, Tracy from Louisiana. Uh, normal urine color can be anywhere from totally clear to a deep amber. And if it's dark brown, that's often a sign of uh, elevated bilirubin, which means uh, often that there's a problem with your liver. But there's a pigment called urochrome. And uh, there are other things that uh, cause the color, but that's the main one. And it gives you sort of a yellow pigment. There are other compounds and pigments in foods, though, that can change urine color. So there's like beets and berries and then fava beans are among the foods that are really likely to affect color. And uh, there's some over-the-counter prescription and prescription medications that can do it as well. If you want to see really nice... urine uh, that is fluorescent yellow. Uh, there's a um, medication called Azo Standard that's um, basically a urinary tract anesthetic. So for people that have burning when they pee, they'll take that and it will turn their urine orange. As a matter of fact, it'll stain anything it touches. So you have to be really careful if you're a dude about not splattering or dribbling in your underwear if they're not you know, uh, black. Just wear black underwear. Then you don't have to worry about skid marks and all that stuff. Um, you can. Uh, there's another one called. Um, oh, I, I can't remember what it is, but it's another um, medication that you can take that'll turn your urine blue. And uh, now, if you have, as I said, deep red to brown urine, you could have a thing called porphyria. If it's deep, deep brown, you could have hyperbilirubinemia, and uh, hyperbilirubinemia is a sign of uh, liver failure. So uh, if you have red, uh, in other words, visible blood in your urine, you need to get checked. If you have dark or orange urine, particularly if you have uh, yellow in your eyes or pale stools, go get that checked out. Pale stools with dark urine can just mean that you have a stone in your bile duct that's obstructing it. And so the bile can't get into the stool, so it turns it sort of clay-colored pale. And then, uh, but the the, uh, pigment, the bilirubin, will build up in your bloodstream 
and uh, you'll pee it out and it will show up in your skin as jaundice or as we call it in this area yellow janders all right so uh, any kind of weird colors like that get those checked out um, all right very good well listen uh, thanks always go to dr scott we can't forget rob sprantz bob kelly greg hughes anthony cumia jim norton travis teft that gould girl lewis johnson paul Charsky, chowdy 1008 eric nagel the port charlotte whore and the saratoga skank roland campos sister of chris sam robert she who owns pigs and snakes pat duffy dennis falcone matt kleinschmidt Dale Dudley, uh, Holly from the Gulf, Steve Tucci, the great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Carl's Deviated Septum, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and Fez Wally, who supported this show, has never gone unappreciated. By the way, I forgot to mention this during the show. I was on this show called The Creep Off. It's a comedy, true, true crime podcast. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's like a competition, and these two guys... Uh, uh, fight to see who is the uh, uh, most heinous criminal, and then their listeners get to vote on it. It was so much fun. Check that out. The Creep Off. And uh, I'll put it in the, uh, uh, the, the um, on the website so that you can just click a link to it. Uh, listen to our Sirius XM show on the Faction Talk channel. Sirius XM, channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern On Demand and other times at Jim McClure's Pleasure. Uh, don't forget uh, Ron Bennington and Fez Watley, whose support of this show never went underappreciated. Uh, many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.